Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout with Brighty and Peachy, brought to you by the Diabetes Football Community. This is your regular dose of all things football and diabetes as we bring you the stories of those affected by the condition who have a love of the sport. Everything we share and talk about on this podcast is from personal experience and if you have any concerns about the management of your condition, you should always check in with a healthcare professional. Now, with all that said, let's crack on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Diabetes Dugout. Joining me today, my co-host, Mr. Chris Bright. Brighty, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you doing? How's things this week? Uh, mate, it's been, been all right. Been all right. Looking forward to the Easter holidays. Can't wait for a bit of time off. Absolutely. And obviously... Family time. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously this week, we've you know, the, the changes in... The laws in England mean that their football is back. You know, we can get back out there. Grassroots football. Absolutely love it. Although I have to say last night, first training session, ready to go, cycled home from work, saw the kids, saw the wife, bit of dinner, went out to the car, flat battery. Flat oh, battery. You, you haven't missed your first football. Have Mate, you? I've missed my first training session back. That's that's unfortunate, John. I actually did get to go to my first football session back and it was all just with my mates last night. And it was, I can tell you what, mate, I have missed it. And it was a very enjoyable experience with all the laughs and the banter that go with it. So I'm delighted that we're all back out there and, and or certainly in England anyway, able to get back to playing some football again. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it when I got a game this weekend. It's going to be a struggle, I'll be honest. It's... I look forward to hearing from you then when we do the next recording, John, when you when they wheel you into your office for you to be able to do the recording. Oh mate, it, it might not um you might not hear from me for a week. I am worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are gonna struggle after that, mate. So we'll uh, oh, we'll mate. do our best. I'll uh, I'll have a word with the, the wife, see if she can offer some TLC, but I'm <laughs> I'm not I'm not confident that she's gonna be No, I'm I'm not convinced. Just um just thinking bright as well this week, one of the one of the things I've seen quite a bit of is um, little, a few moments about these professional footballers and their their social media accounts. And um, I think it started with Joe Hart and his um, his comments after the Tottenham game and lots of complaints that they're, they're being run by other people. Can you can you just clarify your social media accounts when people contact you? Is it actually you replying? Come on. <laughs> Oh, this is this is a running theme, isn't it, on this podcast? You coming to me for these uh, these outrageous claims of my uh, my status or lack of status, John? I respond to everybody that sends me a message, John, or 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 tweet or anything like that. It's me on all of my accounts. There you go. You've heard it here. Confirmation that if you contact Brighty, it will be him responding. <laughs> absolute stitch up right with that stitch up being said then john who is on this episode got a very special guest today mate joining us is a man who was diagnosed with diabetes two years ago he's a keen footballer and golfer currently playing off seven 
He discovered TDFC just over a year ago and has been an active member of the online community, especially with the banter going of the love of his football team. Today, Brighty, we've got Graham Armstrong. Boys, Graham, how are we? Yeah, mate, very well. Thank you very much for having me on, gentlemen. It feels, uh, I feel quite nerve-wracking, actually, to be on with uh, such elite members. But uh, no, I'm, uh, thanks again for having me, gents. No, it's, it's, just all it's, it's quite. Um, it's, it was quite interesting just chatting before we came on because we've never actually met in person, and it was. Um, it, it feels it's strange, but you also feel as though you've got that immediate connection straight away. I know it feels dead strange because I thought that as well when I saw your faces. Like obviously you've seen, I've seen a bit. He's like just through. So I don't actively stalk you, gentlemen. But you know, you see a little bit about. Uh, <laughs> um, and it was just, it was. It felt like, oh, I know these boys. These boys are the exact same as me. It was, it was just. Uh, I know it was really good to see you and, and obviously meet you in person, or sorry, not in person, but over a, a Skype call, face to face. It was good. Brilliant. So um. <laughs> First question, one we one we give to every guest straight away. Talk us through your diagnosis. For for me, you're you're one of the the, the newer diagnosed members, um, and so I, I think it's I think it's a re- really interesting story having having chatted with you and, and and read what you put about it. So, just over two years ago, is that correct? Yeah, it would be March. It would be probably about this time. Uh, two years ago, John, you know, bar up, give or take a couple of weeks, yeah. So, so how did you, how did you discover your diabetic? Like, what was your knowledge of, of the, of the condition diabetes uh, before, before you were diagnosed? Absolutely zero, John, and and um, still getting to grips with it, as you can imagine. Um, to this day, it's still obviously something that I'm wrestling with on a on a on a daily basis. Um, with but certainly the story for me yeah still even to this day boys it kind of rankles with me you know I don't know about I'm interested to hear your views about it but you know you almost ask that question why like why then why now how did it happen was it something that you know I know they tell you it can't be avoided of such but you know at 29 or certainly when at the age I was then you think You've you've almost passed a lot, you know, because I know that people get it when they're very, either very yeah. young. But then, but then the more I learn, the more I see people get it at any age. So yeah. there was obviously still I'm still in that that mind space sometimes. But uh, we might come to that a bit later. But yeah, no, I um I was going to the like similar diabetes signs. Now I was regularly visiting the toilet. So for about a week or maybe even close to two weeks, guys, I was I was going to the toilet. You know every you know, 15, 20 minutes, drinking water. The, the 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 telltale signs that I know now. But at that time, I had literally just thought, this is a urine infection. There's maybe, you know, I'm just maybe a bit tired, a bit stressed at work, you know, there's things going on, you know. So I, I literally had put it to the back of my mind for, I think, co- comfortably close to two weeks, gents. Um, and at that point, I had said to myself, I would go to the doctors maybe a week. I was off on holiday, I think I recall, from the following weeks. So I thought, okay, another week, hopefully it'll be away. If not, I'll nip to the doctors. I'll probably be a urine infection. I'll get some tablets and that'll be that. So thankfully, I didn't do that because I, I went to visit my parents that weekend. Um, I drove down to my parents are from the Ayrshire coast uh, on the west coast of Scotland, if, if anyone knows that. And uh, I drove down to visit them. 
And I was happy to be uh, playing a little bit of golf with my dad and he had sort of I'd been speaking to him about it. And he's like, I've got this urine infection. And literally none of us are, were really aware of, of diabetes or thinking of diabetes. I think it wasn't just something that we, you know, it just wasn't something that came into my head, you know. It's it, it just, I don't know why, because I know that I, I know a little bit about it through hearing it in the grapevine, but not a lot. Um, and then my dad, obviously, had been who I'd been speaking to, had, had sort of said, Well, I've got your, and it was almost, it wasn't a, a laugh or a joke, but my grand, my grand got diagnosed with type one diabetes, boys, believe it or not, when she was 91. Wow, wow. <laughs> Yeah, um, and she's still she's still living with it. She's still alive, um, thank goodness. But she's she's living with it um, at, at the moment. But she got diagnosed when she was ninety one, and my dad still obviously had her her because my dad kind of cared for her and, and and looked after her for a while. And he, we almost done it for a laugh. He's like, "Why don't we just check your blood sugars just to see?" And of course, we checked my blood sugars and. He looked over the couch at me and he just said to me, son, we're away to the hospital. And I obviously looked at him and thought, well, what are you talking about, Dad? I'm all right, you know, I'll just give me another glass of water. <laughs> That's all I need, just give me another glass of water. Um, and he said, no, we need to go to the hospital. And I, and I obviously went in a slight panic and said, we, you know, because we, we're not people, you know, as I said, it was something that I just, I've never, I just never thought about it. And he said, look, your, your level, I'm getting a reading of 32, I think it was at the time and we need to go to the hospital now because I think that's you know he wasn't really sure about it even though he was caring for my granny you know nurses were doing that as well so he wasn't too sure about it but he just knew that that was quite alarmingly high and I think he actually checked his yeah. at, at that point just to make sure he was he was right and he, he came round about four you know the news the kind of four or five and uh, he said, no, that, that's not right. Um, and then we went to hospital, boys, and that was, um, they took my bloods again. I think I'd rose up to about 35, 36. I think I was around that. I can't quite recall. And they said, that's it. They put me on a drip, and that was me for two nights in there. So that was my introduction okay. to diabetes at that point, boys. And it was, um, and I can still remember it. I think all you boys will probably be able to remember your your first time. Uh, day of, of receiving that news and, and that was the I suppose the journey began then and you what so what talk us through so after those two nights you've been in hospital they've told you you're you're type one diabetic um what, what's going through your head oh boys so much you know so much yeah. of of the the trauma the mental trauma of well what does this look like how does that affect me going forward? You know, I, I, I'm active, I'm sporty. What will that do to me? Um, you know, dark thoughts, boys. You know, I can't hide behind that. I can't hide behind the feeling mm. of, of feeling extremely, extremely low. Um, and of course, you always hear from your dad and my partner, because I, I lived at that time, boys, I, I lived in Edinburgh, Um and my partner had, uh, and obviously I'd visit my family in Ayrshire, so it was about two and a bit hour drive. So my partner had drove down, obviously, that night when she heard I was in hospital and stayed with my mum and dad and then come up the next day. And, and uh, like, it was just such an... I mean, I remember, like, because obviously I was I was starving as well. I remember, I don't know about you boys, but I remember being starving in the hospital, being absolutely... I hadn't had any hospital food or anything. And um, 
I'd said to my dad, look, I'm starving here. And my dad, my dad brought me and Paul, my, my partner, brought me up a ham and cheese sandwich and a Fox's classic. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, and I thought, and, 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 and I'm saying to him, I, I, my dad's like, I don't know if you should be eating this, but I don't really want you starving, son. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, I want to help out. I just scoffed it. I remember scoffing it. And I remember the nurse saying, you can't give them that. And, and and of course they were, you know, we should have known that I can get that, but I need, you know, it was just a kind of sum at that point and nobody yeah. was. So, but yeah, when they told me about it, the, the couple of days after, um, boys, it was, um, you know, I remember to this day, I remember sitting in the, and you'll have, you know, I've been listening to some of the other podcasts and, and hearing about, you know, when they first tell you that you need to inject yourself and obviously before you leave hospital to inject yourself and things like that. And I remember sitting across from my partner and not that I'm not that I'm dead scared of injections. I'm not boys, you know, I've, you know, there's been blood taken in my, before and I'm not a massive fan of it. Um, I'm still not a massive fan of when I get my bloods, but um, I literally looked at my dad, looked at the, the person, the nurse who was obviously saying, look, this is what you do. Looked at my partner. And I remember my eyes filling up, boys. I just remember my eyes filling up and thinking, yeah. this is going to happen every time in my life now. This is what I need to do yeah. every time I think about eating, drinking, possibly. And I, was, I wasn't ready for it, lads. I wasn't. I just, I, I remember just, looking at my dad's at my dad's and my partner's eyes filled up and we looked at each other and we thought, God, this is and it wasn't because you can you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a slam I experience now, as you say, and, and, and life goes on and there's so many positive examples out there, used boys included, that give you that strength. But it was that moment, boys, was 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 something I don't know for it was it was tough. It was it was a it was a real this is this is it and I'm gonna have to put that in my body every time. And uh yeah, so that that was yeah, it was quite traumatic, boys. I, I can't lie. And and did you you, you mentioned about your, your your nan being um having been diagnosed as as diabetic? Did you know any other diabetics, or was there, there any support out there no, for you that you found never, early on? Never, never knew anyone, absolutely no one in that sense. I knew that was you know a diabetic, and and then from that though, from when I obviously started to speak to people I had a couple of messages from sort of distant friends who had who had actually been diabetic who had not a clue about um and had came to me and said look you know being really helpful anything you need um look give us in touch but I suppose I don't know like from a purely selfish perspective boys I felt I just wanted to keep it in me and in my side and just mm. this is my thing and I'm annoyed about it and I'm I'm resentful towards it, but I'm not wanting help because I, even though I really want help, but I'm not wanting, if you know what that means. You know, I was kind of, I was yeah. resting, I was, I, was, I was angry, but I was also thinking I, I want to tell people about it because I wanted for them to know perhaps, but then I was also sitting there thinking, um, I'm that angry, I don't want it to be an excuse, I don't want anybody to know. So it was a, I was straddling sort of mindsets at that point. I remember feeling like, yeah, these are people have been really helpful to me and actually really supportive. And I should have been thanking them and saying, look, what do you think about this? What do you think of that? But instead, I, I almost went quite insular and probably just spoke to my partner and my dad and just tried to reason with them and, and almost moan to them. They must have, you know, not that they would ever, but, you know, they took on a lot of that burden, you know? You um, Yeah, I, I completely see where you or relate to where you're coming from with that just 
just picking up on something you you've mentioned your partner quite a bit um how much of a support has i, I know we, we chatted before we before we recorded this and, and and you were saying how how amazing and supportive she's been um how did how did she feel with sort of all of a sudden having this person who a couple of days previously was living a normal life to to all of a sudden she she's going to be living with someone that's going to have to be injecting every day for potentially the rest of their life yeah to, to be fair uh, john that was that was something that i was um a hundred percent um she's been an absolute rock for me in terms of her support or 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 just chatting daily, you know, morning, afternoon, night, when I'm feeling low about it, even now sometimes when I, you know, when you get those extensive highs and you don't know where they've come from and you you, you start to battle, well, why am I not doing this properly? Like, why is this happening to me? You know, she's there to calm me down. I don't think I could do it without her. Like, she's certainly the, as I said, she is somebody that, of course, you would, you would manage the process. You know, it's your life. And at the end of the day, we do this. To, to stay alive, boys, as you know. So you would often, you know, automatically have to do it. But as I said, by not going too far, she was the one that spoke to my mum and dad who were obviously clearly worried, you know, even though even though I was an adult male, you know, who had lived at university for years, had stayed in Edinburgh, you know, for about 10, 11 years, um, you know, f- with her and, and, and through different things. They were hugely worried because they didn't know anything really about it and were, you know, phoning her up and she was... Yeah calls in the middle of the night is he is he done this is he done that because well at times boys you'll get to know this I, I'm you know I'm not the most reliable son, so <laughs> uh, so they but so she was able to say no we've done everything we've we've, we've got him sorted he's, he's rested you know waking up in the middle of the night and you know making sure I was you know if I'm sweating she would you know you know, because obviously we might might get into the technology side of things in the future, but we we having the the technology on my arm, you know, scanning her. She would sometimes wake up yeah. and scan me herself just to make sure I was okay because she would be extremely worried as well. So, I I can't underestimate the power of of her and 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 just how big an impact she's had on on my life and how much she supported me and and um, as I said when I first got diagnosed, I mean. The night before I got diagnosed, we went. I always, the, I don't know if you've ever saw the Green Book as a film, but it's a good film. If you've not saw it, get on it. And uh, we were out in the cinema watching it, and I literally had went to the toilet at three. I mean, I missed half it. Although I'm saying it's a good film, I did miss half it because I was at the toilet most of the time. But um, <laughs> I came back, and she was the one. Even though I never had any inch, she kind of laughed. No, again, this is uh, we don't we don't laugh about it anymore. But you know, kind of she was thinking. Oh, you've probably got the di- you know, diabetes, you know, that kind of throwaway comment that sometimes um, you yeah. hear oh, I could almost upset some diabetics because, you know, it's, it's not just quite how it works. But And um, I remember her saying that, and when I phoned her up from the hospital that next night, you'll never guess what I got. She knew, she almost <laughs> she almost knew, she's like, you've got diabetes, isn't it? And I says, I have, I'm in the hospital, down. And she literally, that's when she got in her car, drove down that night and... Uh, Aye, so so really important for anyone, really. I think, obviously, as I said to these boys, my mindset probably originally was was quite insular, although I had her, but and, and she's been huge. But again, it's probably more about, you know, in terms of advice, in terms of what I would give to guys it's, and, and, and females out there, it's, it's just, it's trying to speak to people, it's trying to educate them, it's almost trying to, you know, 
help them understand so that they can support you, you know, so you've got even more supportive people around. Um, and I think that's the key. And, and certainly for me, she's she's done that as well, getting the message out to her friends and her family, who are also my family now. So it's, uh, it's incredibly powerful what, you know, a real positive support network can do. And, and you boys are part of that now. Yeah, she, she sounds like a keeper, mate. <laughs> well, we'll not tell her that quite soon, but yeah, she's <laughs> And the reference to keeper sounds like a very good little segue to what I want to ask you now as well, Graham. So, Go on. You know, obviously with this being the diabetes dugout, wanting to have a little bit of a chat with you about obviously the your passion for sport. So where does it start? Obviously, oh. you haven't been diagnosed only a couple of years ago. You know, you've spent the majority of your life playing sport without mm-hmm. the condition. So, you know, talk to me about where it started with sport first. Oh, well, boys, it's, uh, as, as everything that this, uh, this group's brought, it's, it's firstly about sport. And that's how, obviously, I linked in with use boys, because it's, it's such a powerful tool in any walk of life, whether that be you know, the diabetes community, whether that be at my work, whether that be, you know, people meeting the pub, you know, you can talk about sport every single day. I mean, I could speak about it every single, you know, if you speak to my friends, they'll always say the big man just, you know, he just adores it. He, he, He listens to every interview, every manager that speaks after the game, you know, what, you know, who plays in you know League Two in Scotland? You know anything really? I mean, I'm 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 an encyclopedia for it. I absolutely adore it. And the passion started like everyone just through my dad who got me into it. Um, who was a football fan himself? Who was a golf fan? As I said, you mentioned earlier in the piece, I love my golf. So and in any sport, boys. I, I mean, I, I can go down to watching the Moscone Cup at pool over the Christmas period when Europe are being America in the pool, the nine ball pool. I mean, I. Ah, the darts, anything that, that I can watch, the cricket, it's just, uh, I'm fascinated by it. I love the, I love it. Um, I love listening about it, learning about it. And uh, and playing it is probably my worst aspect of it, but I still try. <laughs> I think, judging on what I know about you, Graham, you've done more than try as well. So, you know, we'll come on to it in a minute, but I know that there's an a special affiliation to a football team, which causes quite a bit of debate in the diabetes football community group chats <laughs> that we've got. So do you yeah. want to talk talk us through this special affiliation? I don't want to reveal it. No, I'll well, let you reveal it. It's, um, it's something that I've obviously laughed over when I first got introduced to the group, boys. As you know, one of the first questions I, I was asked was obviously Celtic or Rangers, which I found quite surprising because I knew the majority of the guys were obviously of English uh, you know, teams in and from England. So I was wondering, you know, that's quite an unusual question, but I was happily to answer because it happened to be one of the, my teams, I su- well, my, my team I support, which is Glasgow Celtic. So um, once I said that, though, it caused a little bit of a ripple of, um, of I wouldn't say negative press because <laughs> I think uh, boys are susceptible to old football teams who, who people support. But I know that there is a, a certain member of the group who is an avid Rangers fan who's been heavily involved, you know, way before I have in the group, um, who's probably doctored all your minds with terrible Rangers chat. <laughs> so the fact that he's done that, I will hopefully give a bit of balance and he's will hopefully come to the good team over uh, the time of knowing me, boys, which will hopefully be throughout life. So, um, yeah, hopefully once you're educated properly, gents, I will expect you all to support Celtic. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we look forward to this airing because we know of that member that he avidly listens to the podcast. So um, I can't wait for the response around that question. So oh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm expecting I'm getting a lot of abuse now um, from him. So um, no, look, as I said, growing up, as, as you boys know, and, and he knows, growing up in the west coast of Scotland, gents, it's, um, it's, oh, it's, it's, I don't know what the right word to describe it, but it, it is heated and it can, uh, you know, your Celtic, your Rangers. I mean, there's there's very little other team that you can support. And um, although there is other provincial clubs available if folk want to support them, but uh, Celtic and Rangers are, as I said, it is huge. It causes um, massive tension. I should say my dad is a, is a Rangers fan. So interestingly, in the house, it was myself and my brother who supported Celtic and my father who supported Rangers. But that never really got in the way of anything, although I know in some cases it can get very much in the way because of the passions that run throughout. But we were we were Celtic fans and that was allowed in the house. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that the old firm, it's... it's I mean, I, you boys have, have watched a few of the games over the time you've you've watched football and, and I don't think anything beats it for the... the, the I think it's difficult because it's such a great thing, but it's equally such a uh, not a negative thing. That's the wrong word, but it can be. It can overspill. It can certainly overspill. There's a, you know, there's obviously things that go on and, and that shouldn't go on, and, and certainly that's something you're always slightly wary of. But both set, you know, I would equally Celtic and Rangers, and, I, and I'm biased, but certainly I think both clubs are. And you boys will laugh me off with us because you boys support um, sort of middle-of-the-road English teams, but you boys... <laughs> Johnny's come for us, hasn't he? He's come for us. I would say they're the biggest... Brave man, brave man. Yeah, they're two of the biggest clubs in the world, football, and certainly they are size of clubs and, and fan base. They are unquestionably... Um, as I said, you know, you'll not find two bigger clubs well-supported throughout world football, and that's... And that's just, you know, clubs from Glasgow. You know what I mean? Two clubs in the same city. It's quite incredible how it's touched so many people across the world. But, I mean, that's what, as I said, that's, that's what football does. Yeah, I, I mean, very, very big clubs um, with probably, what, Peachy, would you say, championship teams playing <laughs> under, under the colours? <laughs> hey! <laughs> Do you reckon that high? Oh, sure. <laughs> hey, we we can come back as well, Graham, on that one, don't you? Worry? I know, boys. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, to to give it a fair um reflection, definitely agree that there's a. It's something that we. I think I would struggle to really fully understand. I've never been to a game in person. I've watched it on the telly. Um, many many times, and can see the passion that runs through the game. I can see both clubs are huge football clubs um, from the fan base, and I can definitely appreciate the the extent of the rivalry and what it does in the city. Um, I probably wouldn't say that m- the rivalry that uh, my club has matches it. It's a big, big rivalry in terms definitely, of the UK. Definitely, definitely up there, Birmingham and Villa are, I mean, it's, oh, I mean, I remember watching a couple of their games. I remember the the one with, uh, oh, probably not so much in your memory, Chris, but I remember the one with Peter Enkelman yeah. uh, had an absolute shock. I remember he, the throw in and he let it under the, his, his yeah. boot. Um, oh, I remember I, it. Don't you worry, I, I remember I, it. I, I remember watching that, but I remember the, 
the fan because I think obviously St Andrews were you know and, and obviously Villa Park they're both hugely traditional grounds so I just remember getting quite excited because the fans were right on top it felt like the fans were right on top of the pitch it's like an old style stadium and it, it just felt boy these boys are going for, you know they were at it you know both clubs and um yeah, I, I do remember that. Uh, that derby's a bit... I would say that's definitely... I mean, you boys will know better, but certainly for me, that feels like one of the biggest derbies um, in England, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to be right up there. Um, there are, I would say, maybe some slightly bigger ones, but I've been to a few of those games and the passion that runs through that, I, I would think is not far off what happens in, in Glasgow when the Celtic Rangers games are. I mean, the build-up's ridiculous in the city. Uh, match day itself is just, yeah, crazy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you go as an away fan to the opposition's ground, it's, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. So, um, as a rivalry, it has pretty much everything. And over the years, it's created some incredible entertainment. And, you know, I've been on the end of the Peter Enkelman. Yeah. Thing, and, and, and I've been on the other end of a 5-1 win at Villa Park when I was there. So, you know, there's some been some great memories and some tough ones as well. So I think that's the beauty of rivalries, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the feeling when you win is incredible. Totally but also the feeling when you lose is pretty, pretty low as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that way with when you lose, you just don't want, you know, you've got lots of, you know, your WhatsApp pings, you've got so many of your friends yeah. because outside their range, it's just ridiculous and you just, you want to hide, you really just want to put your body, especially this year for a Celtic fan, boys, it's been a really, thinking about, th- uh, of it was going to be the biggest year of our club's history to to what it became was it feels like I've switched my phone off uh, for the whole year. <laughs> um, well, that's another feeling when, when the Blues occasionally beat Villa um I do I feel the same way there's a there's a big part of me that just sort of tries to go into hiding um but yeah I mean rivalries do that football does that and um just on I suppose bringing it back to you Graham I know you've got a a bit of a history with the sport obviously a big fan of uh, of Celtic um what's your playing history being like I know you've played for a very long time and obviously, just um, you've played before you were diagnosed, and obviously yeah, you are now um, back playing after you've but, been diagnosed. But yeah, yeah. So you know, as I said, boys, probably similar to yourselves. I feel, in some ways, quite you know, I think that's another thing with diabetes, boys. I feel, in some ways, as I've told you about, you know, some of the, the difficult times, but I've also feeling, in some ways, slightly luckier that I got it when I did because I haven't had to, like some of you boys, have had to live through it for your teenage years, possibly your university years. Um, and, and I was obviously coming out at that time when I got it. So I, I feel in some ways, I don't know if lucky is the right word to describe it, boys, but I, I never, you know, as I said, because now I obviously appreciate what goes on in my life and what I have to do to play sport and things like that. Then I don't know how, and I suppose that's why, you know, it's always interesting to hear yours, boys' views, you know, how I would have coped perhaps with it um, at that age, because, Use guys, as I said, are, are you know, I've dealt with it, as I said, through 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 a lot of your lives. And, and I suppose for me, I feel slightly luckier. But in terms of of going through my life football, yeah, joined um, joined local boys club team and played throughout that uh, time uh, at a local club, Tass Thistle. Um, and then obviously move on from there uh, to a team aptly known, although they aren't, Connected, co-winning Rangers. 
even though I'm a Celtic fan, I played with Cohen Rangers for a, a period of time. And then after, when I was about 17, boys, um, I obviously got asked to go for a trial at Air United, which is a small club, um, again, on the west coast of Scotland. They currently play uh, in League One. And um, I got asked to go in Scotland. And I, and I went for a trial, got in, and they offered me a year contract um, when I was 18 to play for them for a year, which was... A good and bad experience, boys. In some ways, I enjoyed. You know, there was about. I was. I was almost like an apprentice, gent. So you can imagine mm-hmm. there was about because it's such a small club with with no real finance. We had about five, four or five, sort of senior players who were full time. Maybe even less than that. Maybe three or four boys that came in and trained, and then they had about eight to ten of us sort of apprentices that made up that number. So we would train. So there would be about. Four teamers that they would train sort of four days a week, and then you would have to do the boots, the changing rooms, you know, the 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 menial tasks that boys that our age do. And yeah, no, that was a really good period where I, you know, obviously I was playing football. I didn't make any first team appearance. I played lots of reserve team football, so I played against some good opposition, but I wasn't really making that breakthrough. And there, there was a point where I, you know, I'm trying to think. Um, of an example, boys, and, and it just shows you how big elite sport is. But I literally played for Air, who was, as I said, a quite a small, you know, a good club, but a small club in League One. And I was training my hardest, but I wasn't getting anywhere near it. You know, I wasn't getting anywhere near it in terms of the first team. You know, I was in the reserves, you know, I wasn't even getting on the bench. And I and I remember Air, who were a first division team playing a club called Kilmarnock, who played in the Scottish Premiership. Now, Kilmarnock are uh, Kilmarnock fans out there, mate be upset with me, but they're a sort of lower middle table team in Scotland. And Kilmarnock absolutely battered there. Like, they battered there. And, and, and generally in Scotland, boys, if you're not in the sort of top league, there's no a lot of money to be made in Scottish football, unfortunately, nowadays. It's, it's just the way circumstances have went in Scotland. There's just not a lot of money. But Kilmarnock absolutely battered there. And I thought to myself... Well, if I'm struggling to get into the Air Force team who play in League One, and there's Kilmarnock, who are a sort of lower middle table team in Scotland, hammering Air, how good must they guys be? And then in terms of Kilmarnock to Celtic, there's a huge gap. So I thought, how much will they be? How how good must they be as footballers? And then if you think about Celtic too, as you boys want to say, you know, some of the top English clubs or even... You just, I can't fathom just how good these players actually must be because I thought I was a decent enough footballer, you know. I couldn't get near, as I said, I trained, I worked hard, but I couldn't get near the, you know, the bench of a Scottish First Division team. And as I said, that's that kind of brought me to, to a conclusion where after I get released, you know, I was, I could just, I, I did, I sort of fell out of love with it. If, I, if I'm truth be told, boys, you know, it just, it, it never became, it was. Yeah, it was a difficult time at that point, but I fell out of love with it, and uh, and then I went to uni- I went off to university. And then, yeah, you went off to university, and then what sort of what brought you back to football? Because I know you're back playing again now. What what was it that inspired you to come back? Well, you know, it's a thing because I played a little bit at university. I always enjoyed playing with the boys. I mean, university probably boys was is is probably for you, but it was some of the best times of my life. So um, through football again, through football connecting with the university football teams, 
I, you know, I made some of the, I made my best friends for life um, through that Edinburgh University Football Club, which is a fantastic club. If you ever get a chance, boys, to go out and watch them, or you're in Edinburgh, I would, I would highly recommend it. A great club um, who play out the Lowland League, which is which is the sixth tier almost of Scottish football. Is it the fifth tier? It's either the, I think it might be the fifth tier of Scottish football. And uh, they were a great club to be involved in. And then, as I said, going through stopping playing, I obviously then had diabetes um, and kind of moving fast forward a little bit. And there was something in my head, boys, that was just determined. It was because I hadn't played for a while. I'd, I'd never really, you know, I just thought, no, I can still do this at some level. You know, I can still play. I can still get fit. But I wasn't sure because of the diabetes. It was that it was that, that was slightly holding me back in terms of, can I do this? Can I actually figure all this out before running and jumping and scanning myself and, and, and pricking my finger and you know that was it was a something that I had to 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 do myself I was determined basically boys it was something that I thought no I can do it was almost like the diabetes was the trigger for me to to suggest to myself I can still do this come on you can show yourself that you can still do this in an env- a competitive environment and uh I'm still learning, boys. I'm still reaching out to use boys, as you know, to, 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 to come for answers, to, to ask how you manage it, because you've been playing for a while with it. Um, there's still, you know, even today in this podcast, I'm sure I'll be asking questions, which maybe not the purpose, but I'll always ask because I, I want to know. I'm, I'm desperate to learn because, you know, it's, it's hard. It is very hard, boys. Um, yeah, um, I completely sympathise and, and empathise around that um, that feeling of um, wanting to overcome the barrier, if you like, of being a tight one. Um, that certainly was something that inspired me at the very start. Obviously, as a as a child, for me, eight years old, I wanted to. I almost carried it around as a bit of a chip on my shoulder to say, you know, I, I'm not going to let this condition hold me back from from playing the sport that I, you know, I've loved playing before that. And, you know, just in, trying to appreciate every time I go out there that actually it's, it might be a challenge, but I'm, I mean, I've been gifted this opportunity and I'm still able to do it. And yeah, a little bit more time and effort goes into being prepared and, and ready for it. But, you know, I, I can still go and compete with everybody else. So, you know, and that relating to you, Graham, I, I mean, what was the biggest changes to um, the way that you approached football before you were type 1 diabetic compared to now what you're doing yeah no good good question Chris I think the main changes for me boys were almost preparation had to be really you know stripped back in terms of I had to have everything there you know you know what it's like sometimes your football you're that you know obviously I, I was I was a, I did I did everything I could because to be honest boys I would have been really good at football maybe about 40 50 years ago when defenders get away with just you know to really tackle you know <laughs> um I, I, and, and as the game's progressed I've, I've obviously gone backwards slightly because my my approach to the game doesn't necessarily go down well with the modern day footballer but in terms of preparation I did everything I could to be the best I could so with a diabetes that's where I'm I'm see where I'm not the best at it because obviously it can it can it can change or suddenly go to to not to pop, but it can it can suddenly change. You know, your readings can go high, low, boys. You know how it's, it sometimes it, it, it frustrates. You know, it was it was almost like sometimes, although I was preparing, you know, I'm I'm now having to 
to ultra prepare. I'm now having to have everything ready, my 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 drink, my sugar, my needles, um, everything's laid out the night before. Um, everything's on the side of the pitch for me. I don't I, I don't use a I've, I've thought about the pump, but I've not got one. So I've because I didn't know I didn't like I don't like things. I didn't feel like if it was flailing about. I didn't know how it all worked. I'm still I'm not quite sure. So I've stuck with the the injections from now, but that's all there at the side of the pitch. And it's just about being ultra prepared, which sometimes I get ultra angry about lads. As I said, I've not had that fact because I have to do that now because that's part of my life. But because it's part of my life, you've just got to have that preparation time the night before, giving yourself time during the morning just to make sure things are okay. And then obviously making sure at the side of the pitch you've got things there that are ready to go if things have happened. And touch wood, nothing has happened to me on the foot. Although I've got, you know, I must say, I was listening to, I can't remember, one of the podcast boys and it was talking about sort of highs and, you know, where you should be whilst you're on the pitch. And I'm obviously interested to hear your boys' thoughts, but it's, it's like I go, I don't know, the adrenaline, I, I wasn't aware of that at the time, but the adrenaline sometimes takes me to a real high. Yeah, yeah, I've experienced that in terms yeah. of my uh, levels shooting up, in terms of um, futsal and high intensities and also sometimes nerves in terms of different games and different occasions. And um, yeah, I think it's quite a common thing as well, Graham, to experience that. And it just becomes part of your routine and management. Once you start seeing that regularly, you start to be, create a bit of a plan. So you understand then to go, right, I know this is going to happen on game day. It doesn't happen on training day because all of a sudden game day matters more. So there's them extra maybe nerves. There's that may, it might not be nerves. It might just be excitement. And they, all of that builds up to uh, adrenaline. And um, by obviously increasing adrenaline, you're asking you, you know, you release extra glucose into the blood. So then that can spike your levels. So it will just be something that becomes part of your, your routine and your management um, as it goes towards the future but you seem to be doing all right though graham you've you know you told us that you've um you're into a scottish cup semi-final as well hi the boys um told cross thistle the team i play with who are actually um a team in edinburgh so we've done well this year obviously covid hit and it was a shame because the club had obviously got the the furthest it's ever gotten the sort of national competition amateur national competition so we are still waiting to play it hopefully we will i think we will get the chance but um Aye, because I'm a, I don't know because obviously before the in England, you guys have got kind of the pyramid system, and I think Scotland are sort of trying to bring that into football. But uh, amateur football has got a, a sort of long history in Scotland, and um, so yeah, it would be nice to get to that final and win that. I think perhaps if we were to win that, that might be a swan song for me, boys. I might uh, I might just concentrate on futsal, boys, and breaking into your teams. Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, we look forward to welcoming you down for a session, Graham. And, but judging on the way that you've said that you play the game, I think I'm going to be steering, <laughs> steering clear of you in the, in the training sessions. I just, I'm not, sh- I, I I'm not sure ball. you'll like playing against me. Yeah, Brady, I win the ball and I give it to players like you. That's what I do. I feed you the ball. <laughs> oh, well, well, you can come again then, Graham. As long as you're, as long as you're rolling me the ball, I'll enjoy that. Um, but, now we're going to break up a little bit from the the classic series stuff to some stuff that because you listen to the podcast you'll know maybe what's coming so we are going to get on to the 90 seconds of questions with mr peach 
Brilliant, boys. I'll try my best. I've, um, I've obviously kept the main one in there for you. So <laughs> I've got the timer ready. I'm just going to turn the volume up on it so you can hear it when it goes back off. And then, Peachy, you ready with the questions? I'm here. I've got them. Right. Graham, you ready? Go on, boys. Ready. Right. And we're off. What's your dream job? Golfer. Uh, who's the first concert or what was the first concert you ever went to live oh boys um, do you know my me- <laughs> no, my message took me to a Sam Smith concert <laughs> it was that or the Proclaimers wasn't it let's be honest yeah go on we'll go Proclaimers <laughs> yeah, let, let's get that bit delete that bit from the podcast go Proclaimers I can't get Sam Smith <laughs> I can't get Sam Smith <laughs> uh, what book are you currently reading um, any autobiography I really get my hands on, John. To be honest, I'll have any book that's that's an autobiography of any sports person. Not currently reading one, but yes. I'll pick something up. Summer or winter? Summer. Summer. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. PlayStation. Blur or Oasis? Oasis, easy. Oh, good choice. Red wine or white wine? Ooh. Do you know what? I've been recently getting into my reds, boys. I'm going to have to see a nice glass of red sometime on a Friday night. Always goes down well. It's a sign of age. Sign of age. <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> what's your favourite food? Uh, <laughs> favourite food? Italian pasta. Italian pasta. And the Rangers or Celtic? Is there? Oh, oh. oh. timer. The easiest question of them all, boys. I mean, I think, I don't know why you even asked that. It should always be the mighty Glasgow Celtic. We're, we're actually keeping a tally, and, and that makes it 2-1 to Celtic. Yes! And then, of course, we. Uh, I, think, I think we've just gone into extra time to discover Spurs or Villa. Oh, do you know, boys, I'm going to have to go with the Martin O'Neill connection. And that's unfortunately a one for Brighty. I, 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 fancy, I, fancy, I fancy Villa Park. I fancy Brighty to take me to Villa Park one day. Now you've said that, Graham, the invite is always there for you. <laughs> Thank you. If, if, if you want to go to smaller stadiums, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know Villa. Your stadium is probably one of the best in the world, but there's something about old style stadiums that... Yeah, fancy. Hi, Martin and Neil. Still in Petrov as well in there as well. There's a there's a bit of a Celtic connection. I'm sure there must be historically for Spurs too. But my recent memory of Martin and Neil and Stan Petrov down there makes Villa the the go to there. And, cru- and crucially as well, Graham. You know, there's been a lot more trophies that have gone through the the doors at Villa Park compared to <laughs> um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. <laughs> Not much silverware or, or tradition involved. Do you know what? <laughs> Audi Cup winners 2019 <laughs> and we've still got it. We've no, still man. got it. So fair. Brilliant. Um, what, what, we're just going to move move back to a, a little bit about your your sport and, and, and your diabetes. Um, you mentioned earlier your, your your love of golf. So when did um, when did you start when did you start playing golf and, and what got you into that? Yeah, golf. Golf's always been sort of a kind of summer sport, boys, that I've played through 
you know, you far back as my childhood, there's little videos of me whipping a golf club around. Um, so, uh, and growing up in Scotland, boys, I mean, as I said, on the West Coast, there is, you know, I don't know if you've been ever down this way, but there is so many lovely spots for golf um, across the links. Um, you know, it's... It's a haven for golf, you know, Scotland, they call it the home and the home of golf. So, uh, yeah, no, so the, the diabetes in golf has been a, another challenge, I would say, because golf is, is not a, it's, it's a strange one, boys, because it's, you wouldn't think it's physical, but it, it can be. Like sometimes when you're lifting your bag, you know, you're walking, you're, you're taking your bag on and off, you're thinking about the parts, you're thinking about the shots. My, my tendency was for my blood sugar to drop. And when you're over... And, and so sorry. You're, sorry, go on. No, I'm saying when you... It's, 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 it's boys who play golf, no? When you're over a four-foot putt and you're having sort of hypo symptoms, they tend not to go in as much. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, um, have you used it as an excuse then? Yes, I'm definitely. Yeah, yes, of course. You've, you've caught me out already. You know. And, um, no, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting one. The golf something I'm still working on in terms of what I take for background and what I take for, you know, if I've maybe had a meal before golf or you know I've always got stocks in my golf bag, but um, again, it's a it's a it's a it's a daily. I mean, it's not a struggle, boys. It's no, but it's it's a daily battle that you've got to. And like I said to you just earlier in the podcast, and maybe for out folk that are out there, you're straddling the mindset of not wanting to use an excuse, but getting really angry with it at the same time and, and fighting against it because you wonder, you know, is it affecting me? Is it actually, you know, why, you know, now I'm feeling a wee bit low. I didn't feel like this three, four years ago. Is that, you know, and it gets it creeps into your mind and you could be on the golf course. And, and I suppose that just needs... Me, you know, I need a period of work. Just keep working at it. Keep trying to do the right things, and and that'll get easier with time. But uh, certainly something that you're always thinking about at, at times when you boys will be the same. So you know, I suppose. I, I think yeah, for me, playing golf is just a massive long walk because I go left, right, left, right, and I, I can. I, it's not a straight line for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll need to take um, John once I come once I come down there. We'll, we'll, if we go in a camp or ever we're out together, then that's one of the things we'll do. We'll, I'll get you a game. I'll tell you what. You, you take me out for a game round of golf. Teach me how to play properly. I'll take you to a proper stadium. And then, <laughs> yes, yeah, um, fine. John, I didn't we'll, realise Villa Park was so close to you. No, mate, we're going to go and watch Wickham, Martin O'Neill. Oh. <laughs> well, true, I Leicester Wickham. We could go to a few. I tell you, yeah. we will not, not be going to the Irish Stadium there. They're <laughs> bit, bit of, um, yeah, I, I think you, you'd love Wickham. It's a, it's a great ground. <laughs> if you like your old grounds, anyway. Adam's um, lovely yeah. place. Yeah, oh, definitely. Who's the, is it, who's it, Gareth Ainsworth? There, isn't yeah, longest, longest serving manager in the Football League. What a funny looking bloke Gareth Ainsworth looks. I mean, how you know, see when you see him in the touchline, you're just wondering, you know, what a get up he's got. He's most of the evenings, I think he's off to to perform at one of his uh, gigs in his band. I so he is. I did read that as well. And who's there? It's big guy can Fenwell up there now. Yeah, yeah, he's. Although he, um, they signed um, did they not sign the boy from Hearts? They signed a boy who played up in Scotland. Um, yeah, he's. Uchi, yeah, he's quite similar. They're quite similar. Well, he's maybe not quite the size of the big Akinfenwa, but he's quite a similar shape, boy. 
he, he's um he's suddenly hit a bit of form. He's had a lot of injuries, but he's he's suddenly hitting a bit of form. Akinfen was yet to um yet yet to score in the championship. Fortunately, they, we're only in March. He's got a bit of time. What's the script? Are they playing the, with those two up front together, John? Or are they, are they going with that double barrage? No. <laughs> Akinfen was more of a super sub. Comes on ah, cool, last, cool. last 10, last 20, when in, invariably we're trailing, unfortunately. But um, no, it's, 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 I think you'll, you'd love it down there. No, anyway, definitely. Anyway, another, another ground boys to, Let's, to visit with you. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, sorry, so, so, so just back to the golf, just thinking like, in terms of with the, with the footballer and, and, and learning to understand your levels when you're playing football and, and doing that. I think you, for me, the, with the support that's out there from fellow diabetics that have played football or, or, or looking and seeing that there have been professional um, footballers that have done it. I mean, you... you You've mentioned that you, you you know of one golfer, an American golfer, um, Scott Verplank, who's who's diabetic. Do you do you think that if there was um, whilst playing golf, that would be that would be helpful for you or useful, or do you think it's just going to be a case of you you learn sort of a bit of trial and error to to be able to get it? I think. I think for me, John, probably both in regards to, because when I try to help myself, it's invariably on the group, listen to use boys, talk about it, you know, searching it sort of on Twitter, what use boys have said about sort of some of the things you've been through um, before. These are the people who I, who I turn to most to, to help me with my condition. And, and obviously when you see, you see an elite athlete, um, you know, that the, the use boys have interviewed um, recently and others that, you know, Obviously, I've, I've looked to them. Golf, I don't know of many, and that's why I think I would like to know a bit more because I think if I did, I would reach out and I would probably speak to them because it's a hugely important part of my life. I love playing my golf. I love, there's nothing better, just nine holes, you know, when it's, you know, after work, when it's done, you know, just working in the game. And, and I suppose um, probably in, in my later years, hopefully, when football, you know, doesn't become my main sport, then, then golf will. So, yeah, no, I would certainly hope to reach out if there was more information for golf and how they manage it because it's a long sport. You know, you're out there sometimes for four, four and a half hours playing. You've got to be prepared. Um, you've got to try and get the levels right. So again, I would like to know a bit more about it from the golfing's perspective and, and how people deal with it. And I'm sure it'll be very similar to other elite sports where you've got to plan, you've got to prepare, you've got to give yourself the right amount of insulin. Um and, and I suppose, again, that'll be a, a part of the trial and error as well, John. And, and obviously, touch wood, there'll be more people that, that maybe that are out there that listen to this or perhaps are golfers themselves that, that yeah, and do you know what? I can give them a message or drop them a line, you know? And, and that's definitely, I'm always up for that. Graham, I have got, I've yeah. got a name for you, Graham, straight away off the top of my head. Um, Hannah McCook, who is okay. um, a professional female golfer from Scotland. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah well, I, would, I would have a look, reach out and have a look at some of the stuff she's been involved in. And, um, yeah, I, I, I know Hannah enough to send her a message if, if needed. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like you said, reach out to people and, and see what there is a bit of a golfing community out there. 
Um, I'm not sure how big, how many there are, but certainly, yeah, if you need some support around that, definitely. Again, I think sharing your experience, and that might be something we talk about again in a minute, but, you know, sharing your experience and um, becoming more open with it may well also sort of, you know, help in terms of encouraging others that might have that, you know, that, um, that love of golf to come out and talk as well about it and create a bit of a community around it, which... Um, links very nicely to my to, to what I'm going to talk about now, which is obviously your involvement in the diabetes football community. So, you know, you've been diagnosed since 2019. What is it that brought you in touch with TDFC and, and how did that come about? I know a seamless, seamless question in there, Chris, just how it moved in. You've got a future in this, you and John. I was obviously looking around. At that point, I was slightly lost about what it was, trying to look for some inspiration about, you know, how I could manage this, how I could really deal with it. Um, and Newsboys obviously popped up, you know, I'm a Twitter, I love, I love Twitter. And um, I saw a little bit of the, the group there and... It was the first thing I saw that actually there was people there that were playing football with type 1 diabetes and really looked as if they were enjoying it, managing it, you know, speaking to others. And, and, I, and I think I reached out um, to yourself, Chris, or I reached out to the page and was desperate to become involved because, like we've talked about, sport is such a powerful tool to bring people together. And I thought, look, if I can link in with these boys who also love football like me and I can maybe get some advice about how to manage the condition like they do they've obviously done then it's a win-win for me so it was all about you know as I said the first step was reaching out and then you boys were able to bring me on board through the, the group and and slowly but surely I've been you know as comfortable talking in it and and and, and obviously speaking to boys about certain questions that I've got and everyone's been you know, extremely helpful, which which is great. And I would encourage anyone who's listening to the show or even has got, you know, to get in touch with Use Boys because I found it so enlightening and, and so encouraging to, you know, that, that there's, there's people out there that they want to help, you know, like like us, you know, like they want to help people that have been newly diagnosed, maybe who have already been diagnosed for a long time. And that's powerful, you know, for me, that's what it's all about. That's what people in communities and and and, and coming together is all about and, and I promote that every day when I work and, and I try and promote that you know in my life so to have that you know is, is a something that we've got in the, the community um, has been such a ah, it's been powerful boys you don't know how much it's meant and, and I think as well with the football side of things and seeing actual tournaments for you know going away as if we are you know, in that professional game, I get, it just spurred me on. It thought, nah, do you know what? I'm, I fancy a bit of that. You know, I'm competitive. I, I feel like I want to match and, and test myself, you know, and see if I can go down and meet the boys and see what the standard's like. And maybe the standard will be too high. Maybe I'll know, you know, maybe I'll be able to play in the standard. Who knows? But I'll meet there for other boys who are who love football. And that's, and that's good in itself for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that, that's been one of the magical things that we've tried to create over over the years really with the with the condition is it's been about you know having uh, encouraging high performance in terms of you know trying to create an environment which encourages it but it's also been massively about just getting people together that live with the same condition that have that passion for football or futsal and um yeah and then you can 
it's amazing what you can sort of learn and how you see your condition and also how you see yourself within that environment being surrounded probably for the very first time um, by other people with type one diabetes that, you know, also love the sport that you do. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that when we can get you down there, Graham, it's going to have a massive impact on you in terms of um, even spurring you on even more to be involved in what we're doing. And um, what do you think? Yeah, and what do you think has been, you know, you mentioned a couple of things there, but what do you think the biggest impact has been so far in, in being around the group, chatting amongst in, chatting amongst everyone with the, in WhatsApp, you know, seeing more of what we've been doing maybe on the podcast or the website? Well, it's, it's certainly no dinghy. gave me abuse about supporting Celtic, that's for sure. But uh, no, I, um, I say the biggest impact is even just the information that you boys are able to, to pass on to me. So if I've ever got something about my, you know, how much, and you know, not, not that we can go into medical stuff because you should always ask a medical provider, but these are questions that, uh, that you boys are able to sort of advise on and give me advice. And obviously the podcast is another way of just talking about it. It's another way of communicating with people. It's another way of, of just giving you, oh, well, that boy's there. But, you know, what, Chris, it's like that when boys come together and I've got that platform it just gives me the, the the confidence to ask you you know there's a there's a there's a mode now that I can just quickly ask in which is something you, you I never thought I would get you know because nobody really that I know is type 1 diabetic so almost used boys become you know my go-to which is really powerful as I said it's, it's, I use that word a lot but it is it's, it's really strong it's the connection strong and, and I think when I get to meet you as well Chris even learning, I mean, we'll all possibly have to administer things differently and possibly different times. But I'll be watching like anything to learn. Like, all right, they've, they've, they've done that. Why did they do that? You know, you, you you gave yourself this amount of insulin for that. Tell me about that. You know, and everyone's different. I totally get that. But like anything, because I love, you know, you know, as I said, you practice your football. You, you used to watch football to pick things up and say, look what they've done there. You know, that, that defender dropped off there. Why did they do that? Or even in golf, you know, that player done that. Then... That's what I'll be even interested to see from your perspective, Chris, and obviously other boys when they're, you know, warming up or training, what they're doing, how they're managing it, because that's something that I'll learn about, you know? Absolutely. Hopefully we can, um, you know, I've got 20, 21 years, nearly 22 years of living with the condition. I've managed it in very different ways and lots of different situations. And I think, you know, the more we get more of us into a room surrounded by each other the more questions you get to ask the more you get to see of how people manage it the more you just pick up and learn naturally and I think it will just accelerate all of your learning as well Graham being around people that are you know got the same interests as you as well you know you've you can ask those questions that you really want to ask and you really want the answer to and you're likely to get pretty good answers because they're interested in the same things that you are so and have probably gone down the same experience or something close maybe not exactly the same but something close to what you're wanting to ask about and I think that's what's been incredible about being involved in in the um in the diabetes football community but I think for me it's had one of the greatest impacts on my mental health and actually feeling accepted, um, almost feeling like I can, you know, uh, a buffer against some of the stigma and some of the negativity that maybe I've faced in the past. I just wondered what you felt it had an, whether it had an impact on your mental health as well. I know you talked about the challenges that maybe you faced at the start. Um, what do you think 
how are you how are you dealing with things now and has this community helped you with that hugely helped in terms of feeling like there's people out there that are of similar you know similar nature have not have, have went through similar things to be fair Brighty. It, it, it feels strong for me in terms of knowing the fact that these boys who you know you know in fairness are quite similar to myself have got through this, you know, who work through this, who who manage it on a day-to-day basis and still, you know, come back the next day, which is something that I take great strength from that lots of the group have done. And I suppose, you know, when it's difficult, because it gets difficult, it's about reminding myself of that, reminding that there's people out there that are continuing to live with that and continue to, you know, do great things in the world. Um, And that's what I want to achieve as well. So I think the community allows you to do that because you see boys you know like yourself like John who have been involved in this project for years who are doing great things for the community and that's an inspiration you know you've got to take that as an inspiration because when I first got diagnosed and when I you know even through periods of you know good and bad health over the last couple of years when I've got down about it when I've felt low when I've thought about it and got frustrated and angry why I've got this you know, there's there's people out there. There's people out there that are willing to help, that are willing to put things back into the community. And that's super inspiring. And that just gives me, the, as I say, that gives me the strength to say, no, I want to do more. I want to be a part of it. I want to try and reach out to people and give them advice and, and help them through it. And certainly that's why I'm keen to get as involved in as much and I, and I encourage anybody that listens to this or, or, think, or is thinking about it to, to get involved because... That's what it's all about, again, as I said. And, and as I said, Use Boys are, Use give us that. Use have provided that platform, which has been powerful, and, and hopefully I can add to that. Yeah, absolutely, Graham. And, you know, we massively appreciate you saying that and um, being an advocate for our work. And, you know, hopefully it's going to be a big part of what, how we move forward in the future and, ad, and advocate continually for our condition and the work that we do through the diabetes football community so um, yeah it's been an amazing chat Graham but uh, as like all good things <laughs> at some point they do have to come to an end but before it comes to an end you know what to, what's coming Mr Peach's it's, three questions no, three questions you, you be careful now Johnny boy well, I'm just thinking you chose Villa over Spurs, so <laughs> mate, whatever numbers you choose, I'm stitching you up. <laughs> God, so really simple. Give me your first number between one and twenty-one. Five. Five. Um, what is your speciality when cooking? Oh, uh, my missus would probably say absolutely zero, but I would like to think I make. A decent, a, a solid fajita. I'm a, I'm a solid fajita man. I, I think I can make a good fajita, a chicken fajita. Yeah, I would go Mexican chicken fajita. I think I can do that. Not bad. Well, what else? You put, what else are you putting in it? Bit of onion. Bit a of bit of onion. Bit of pepper. Slight. I don't know. Controversial. Maybe not. A little bit of mushroom. I'm a mushroom fan. Ooh. So a little bit of mushroom. A um, little bit of seasoning. Um, you know, you ask me, John. I'll deliver. You know, that's a, that's a key in my. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I am not a dab hand in the kitchen, I have to say, or, or I think sometimes I am, but my, my good lady would sometimes question that. So she is a, a chef uh, in the house. But yeah, a, a nice fajita, 
Um, or I, I mean, I can cook a steak, boys. I'm not. I'm not the worst. I can. I can. I maybe not get it to order. I don't know if I could just do it to order, but I could. <laughs> I, could I could cook a nice, overdone, well done steak. <laughs> and presumably, it's washed down with a, a pint of iron brew. Is that right? Yeah, you know that. <laughs> of course, I, we couldn't get him far on the podcast without mentioning the, the national. <laughs> Absolutely. That or uh, what's the? Is it Buckfast? Is that the yeah, other well, or tonic wine. Well, that is a red wine, John, and I did say I was partial to a glass. <laughs> Brilliant. Go on, give us your second number. Uh, ten. Ten. What's your favourite TV show? Oh, favourite TV show. Good question. Do you know this is going to sound a bit cliche because we're all football fans, and it's not actually sometimes the game I like watching. But see Monday Night Football, boys, when you've got Neville, Carragher, Dave Jones in the studio, or Carragher with a guest. I just yeah. love the build-up to that and the sort of after the game, just when they're talking about football and, and, and tactics and analysis and careers. and I, I don't think there's anything better than that. I just love listening to folk about their journeys and where they've come from and, and how they manage it and, and all that. So as, as cliche and as maybe shocking as that sounds, I love a Monday night football. I always say, Paul, I always knows my partner. She's like, oh, it's Monday night. It means I'll, I'll no see you for about four or five hours. <laughs> it's just me. So it's really, if, if, you, if you're telling that you're watching Monday night football, you had to give that as an answer, didn't you? Yeah, totally, man. I, I can't even be watching it now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Love Island. We all know. Well, you know that, of course, man. I didn't, I didn't mind the old Love Island when it was on it. I, was, I, would, say I, would, I would say I was forced to watch it, but I, I think that'd be a lie as well. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Go on, Graham, give us your final number. Uh, between uh, 20. 21, it's up to 21. Right, I'll go ahead and 20, that's my birthday. 20 June. Brilliant. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I'd love to go back in time, boys. It's, a, it's another cliched answer, possibly, but I'd love to rewind, not so much in my life, but just go back in time to see what things were like and possibly, you know, but, you know, different things that were on and, and different eras and, and certainly different, yeah, back in time would be, like, or maybe the old Harry Potter invisibility cloak. Mm, nah, that's a, bit, that's, a bit, that's a bit creepy, a bit sneaky. Nah, I'll go. <laughs> I'll probably go for the back in time. I think that'd be amazing to, to look back in some of the events and, and, and think what was folk doing then. Or maybe like the, you remember the um, Back to the Future, then you would take the, the, racing, uh, the racing almanac and there would be a millionaire. Maybe I'd, I'd maybe do something like that. <laughs> back, back to the Future, haven't they just, the, the date they went forward to, hasn't that date just actually? passed for us I think so John year. yeah I think you might be spot oh, on with that and uh, they were running parallels with uh, God my knowledge <laughs> of Back to the Future the, the, the bad guy remember I can't was it Billy I can't remember the bad guy's I name anyway Beth that's the one John they're running parallels between that and a certain Mr, Mr. D Trump <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for my hoverboard yeah true me too mate <laughs> brilliant Graham, it's 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 been absolutely brilliant, and like I said earlier, it's the first time we've we've actually sat and chat, and just the, the fact that you just you've just opened up straight away, and you, you've it really feels like you've just spoken from the heart about your your diagnosis and about how the, the impact that it's had on you, and and the fact it's, it's great just hearing that, that you want to keep going with life, and and also I think it's really powerful hearing you say about the the struggles and 
um, sort of how, how you, you you've got that that hate relationship with, with diabetes. I think that's that's really powerful. So thank you for for your time, for being open, for being honest. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Graham. No, boys, thank you for, for, for allowing me on the show. It's been, a, I, as I said, I've listened to all the episodes. I've been enjoying them. I've been enjoying learning and, and from a lot of boys. And, and as I said, this thing's not leaving us and we need to fight and, and keep going with it. And I suppose it was it was easy to open up to you boys because you boys have, have opened up to me and, and it helped me. So I was delighted to be asked to come on. And as I said, happy to be included in anything that, that can help and promote the you know, our condition and, and, and diabetes football. And um, like I said, it is a struggle. It definitely has been a struggle in my life and it won't probably go away. It won't. It will always be there for me. But as I said, good people around is the key and, and you boys are part of that now. So good luck to you because I'll be, I'll be leaning on you a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're there for. That's what we're there. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're there for. And just a final thing from me, Graham, just to say again, I reiterate what Peachy said around, you know, opening up, you know, the, you know, you've had the condition only for a couple of years and for you to come on and, and speak so openly and honestly to us about the effects that it has had um, on you and, um, you know, the impact that, you know, the diabetes football community has had as well on you and how you've approached sport, you know, post um, your diagnosis and, and, you know, what you're looking forward to in the future. It's been really, really incredible to hear it. And um, just a massive thank you from both of us for, your time to do it and um for everybody listening thank you so much again for tuning in and uh, until the next episode please keep sharing the pod cheers boys Well, that's it for this episode and we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in and don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on and whilst you're there if you could rate and review us that will help us and the show to reach more people. Whilst if you'd like to get in contact with us about any ideas or thoughts for the show send us an email about the diabetes dugout to the diabetes football community at gmail.com or head to the website www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com for more information about our project. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time for more stories, inspiration and information about diabetes in football.